Welcome again to another edition of the Southwest Climate Podcast. I'm here, as always, with the indomitable Mike Crimmins. Hey, Zach. Mike, arms, arms raised. Arms raised. You feel good. Victory. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what do you want? I don't know. <laughs> Probably something, given how our bets usually go. We'll uh, revisit those bets that you seemingly always win. <laughs> the monsoon's here. It is. Today-ish in Tucson. Today-ish, by what standard? By today, it looks like will be the third day in a row of daily average dew points in excess of 54 degrees. Oh, Fahrenheit you're reverting back to the old definition. I am old school on the dew point definition. We're going to have to get into it, but we're going to have to recap what happened in June because we had some fireworks mid, mid-month. mid that was, that was nice to talk about here in Tucson. A little bit of rain. Yeah, uh, Quite a right. bit of rain, actually. Quite a bit of rain. About a week out from our last podcast, yep. We'll revisit June, uh, revisit some of the bets that uh, you won, talk a little bit about the first part of this monsoon season. And as you mentioned, uh, we are now in the throes of it, thankfully. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And uh, a little bit of uh, a look a look forward. I'll get you on on, on record of predicting what the monsoon is going to look like uh, in the rest of, rest of July and August. Taking it day by day. <laughs> day, by day by day, Zach. So June, Mike, the National Weather Service unscientific version of the start of the monsoon, if you will, happened. Uh, it's halfway through the month. Halfway through the month. So the <laughs> official monsoon season started June 15th, as we've we make note of always. And it just so happened that this year on June 15th. June 15th. We got squeaked some. Squeaked past midnight waiting for it. Held back at bay waiting for the 15th. And we got some rain. And we rain. got quite a bit of rain actually. Yeah. At, yeah. At the Tucson airport. Close to an inch of rain fell in two days at, at the Tucson airport. And I was upset. What can I say? I was upset because we had bet last month on the total uh, monsoon Precipitation right. starting in June fifteenth. June, yeah, starting in June fifteenth. And you said seven point five, mm-hmm. which is it's a good way to start off yeah. the season. So six is the yeah. average for for Tucson's thereabouts, yeah. and I was five seventy five. And that inch counts for you. It does count for me. Which yeah. is it's after midnight. If I, if, if this yeah. wasn't if it was on the fourteenth, child rated version, I would swear. <laughs> yeah. If it was on the fourteenth, I'd have to say sorry. I mean, yeah, I'd give it back to you, but I'm not giving it back. Okay, that goes so, in that goes in the well. Yeah. Okay. So June June fifteenth uh, and June sixteenth again. Amazing days across so much what, of southeast Arizona. What happened? Well, we had Hurricane Bud, which briefly became a Category Four hurricane for a couple days down in the East Pacific. Uh, was drawn up the remnants of it were drawn up the Gulf of California towards Arizona and just put us in some soup, uh, moisture wise, and caused a nice two day event across much of southeast, eastern Arizona, and a lot of New Mexico at the same time. It seems to me, actually, that recurving those storms don't recurve back eastward into the U.S. until later on in the in September-ish, October-ish is more characteristic yeah. of that kind of a trajectory. But as far as I can remember, it's, at least in recent memory, it, it's uncommon. Yeah, I think that if you're going to get an event of this kind, you're going to get it either in June or you're going to get it in September. So it was a transition kind of pattern. So we had uh, an approaching trough of low pressure, sort of that springtime uh, weather pattern to the north that was still digging down into the southwest. We also had the tropics firing up, which is going to be definitely more of a summer. So it's kind of that collision of spring and summer 
across the southwest. So that trough approaching from the west, so there was a little low-pressure system, trough of low pressure off the California coast. A little upper-level low-pressure systems broke off of that trough. It was over the northern Gulf of California. And so that interacting with the moisture from the remnants of Bud, Bud actually got sheared apart and moved off to the, the east of us. The moisture left over with this low-pressure system, which brought some really cold upper-level temperatures, was enough to really destabilize the atmosphere and cause several rounds of heavy, slow-moving thunderstorms across Arizona on that Saturday on the 16th. Now, was it also that there was a high pressure that was sort of in a favorable position so that the, the winds were actually would actually sort of bend around yeah. the high and, and it actually helped direct that low pressure... The, the tropical storm in, into the into the region? The whole subtropical high was sort of shifted off towards the east. And so you had a lobe over the southeast and a lobe over Texas. And so the trough then, so that upper level flow would have been counterclockwise around the low and clockwise around the high pressure system. And so we'd be in between the gears of that. And that flow would have been straight north into Arizona. And so Bud was in the right spot. These broader synoptic situation, circulation pattern, was really favorable to guide that moisture up in and the the associated dynamics with the uh, trough and the upper level cold temperatures I think really helped. So then okay so then the bud helped push in high precipitable water into the yeah, air. So high, yeah. a lot of moisture in Yeah, very little dynamics by the time it got up here. Right. And so that's actually where we needed the trough to come yeah. through to ha- to actually create that uplift and Absolutely. to bring the, to ring the yeah. the sort of wet surface moisture Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think there was a – I don't believe or remember if there were a lot of dynamics associated with it, meaning um, looking at uh, vorticity advection or, or some upper-level support. Um, there may have been a little bit of upper-level support in sort of helping to lift the air, but I think that the cooler temperatures aloft associated with a lot of moisture at the surface can really lead to those steep what we call lapse rates or uh, changes in temperature with height which are going to give you the ripe conditions to cause a lot of convection to occur. And so I think you could have had a bud situation uh, happen in the past where we'd had a lot of that moisture come in and we just get socked in with moisture. But if we didn't have quite the right amount of either solar heating to destabilize the surface or some other associated, the associated dynamics with it to cause a widespread convection outbreak. We've had in the past had these tropical storms come up into Arizona with clouds, and they don't do anything. They just make it really, really humid. So I think that that combination was really key for that event. And that event actually was pretty widespread across Arizona, and mm-hmm. as you said, uh, New Mexico. New Mexico too, right. And then that was basically it for for June. Yeah. It goes in the monsoon season. I'll take it. But, you will take it, but you only but, would take it because it – Furthers your case. Well, here. yeah, absolutely. In any other case, so, uh, it's not. So it, I'll get you on the record. You'll get me on the record. Is that monsoon? Eh, it's monsoony. It's not really as necessarily associated with the monsoon in the sense of the broader circulation pattern with the subtropical ridge, right. the shift in wind direction, the onset and persistence of the dew point. And then it disappeared. And then it disappeared too. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I mean, that was, was kind a transient of, event to me. Yeah, that was absolutely. All it was weather. Very, it was, was very, all weather. Yeah, it was very opportunistic. Yeah, with a tropical storm colliding with a mid-latitude type system. Really cool. Great. I mean, it was multiple rounds of heavy rain and light to moderate rain. So it, it really was, I think, pretty beneficial, but very short-lived. Obviously, it helped uh, – some of the impacts on the ground helped the, the fire situation. 
I think the timing of it was spectacular. And if you recall, that was right when we were in the midst of what was nearing to be a record dry stretch. Yeah, we were almost in. That's right, because you were saying that we were within days of the longest for Tucson, right? Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was something on the order of 110 days was was the record, and mm-hmm. I think we reached 107 or six, yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. That two day event, if you will, was Just. basically then followed by what two weeks more or less? Of yeah, almost three, and, and it's it's still almost it's, three weeks. That's right. In some in some locations, so and you know it's it's probably important to say too that there are parts of the state that didn't see that event and haven't seen anything yet. I mean, we're just now starting to fill in the gaps in the last couple of days. We don't quite yet have full precip coverage across Arizona, but we're real close with the last couple of days right. for the monsoon season. So those areas would be sort of the northwest corner and maybe the, the four corners region? Yeah. And in, in just in the last couple of days and the update from yesterday, the coverage really has increased quite a bit. There's parts, very, very low, lower Colorado River out in like La Paz County, Southern Mojave County that haven't seen it yet. But everybody else has had pretty much at least a light rain, uh, if not more. So we've, it's been, there was that big dry stretch and it, gosh, it got hot in between. And then we've really uh, turned on the monsoon activity in the last couple of days. Yeah. So if you look since like 2000, since 2000, you know, that nine nine-tenths of an inch in, at the Tucson International Airport. There's only two other years where there's been there's been more. One of them was 2016. And that year, the monsoon came right at the end of, yeah, it was of like, June. You tend not to get precipitation in June all that much. I mean, if you, you look over the historical record, it's you know close to a tenth, in, be, in between a tenth and two tenths uh, on average in June. So we'll take basically what, what we can get here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there were the, the precip cover, there were locations that had two, three, four inches of rain over that two-day period in June, which, I mean, there would have been some local records broken for sure, depending on where you were at. The airport proper, though, didn't didn't get as much as some other parts of even Tucson did. June was another hot month for the Southwest. Yep. I think it was near near record. Although, my memory, it didn't seem like it was all that it we wasn't. Didn't, we didn't epic. have like yeah. What, we, didn't we didn't have, have like a really we didn't have big a, heat wave. Yeah, I I we I kept waiting for the Father's Day heat wave that we've had the last two years. And what did we have instead? We had I had two inches of rain in my house, so that was nice. That was a nice surprise. I'll take it. I do recall you you made the estimate or the or the forecast that the highest temperature in, in Tucson in June was going to be 109. Yeah, I mean that was. That was going into that particular weekend where it really took the edge off. And then once we got out of that, it it didn't get as hot as I would have expected. It was actually in, in the first week and a half of July that the temps really did pick back up again, back into that sort of June territory that I expected to see. So the high in June uh, in Tucson was, again, at the International Airport, 107. 107. Yeah. So, But, you know, it was persistently above 100, um, which is yeah. kind of... Par for the course. Solid, you know, 102s, 106s, yeah, through the end of the month. I was bullish on the temperature. I went, I went a little bit above that. I, I thought, I thought the the high would would get into the 110 the region, but yep. again, Mike, uh, you know, I think that we'll, we'll add that to your to your tally of victories. It's all climatology, just going in my head. Uh, first part of July, 111 so far has been has been the peak temperature. Yeah. So yeah, so June was was hot. When you look at Arizona in total, the three month average temperature has been 
the record out of 124 years. The six-month total is record. So solid warm year for sure. Solid yep. warm year, yeah. All right. So aside from that fortuitous assist from from Bud, the monsoon basically started at least here in the Southwest. July 7th, really in, in earnest. And we finally now have precipital water at at levels above above an inch, persistently above an inch. Hopefully this will continue for the next couple of days. Mike, talk us through a little bit of the of the onset of the monsoon. I think since the end of June and into the first week of July, we've been waiting for the circulation pattern to strengthen with the subtropical ridge sort of building past us and then to the north of us. And that is indeed what has happened over the last couple of days. We've had a real strong, broad ridge of high pressure across the whole country. So we've had really warm temperatures across across the whole continental U.S. And so you've heard about the record temperatures in California has led to power outages. There's been record temperatures, heat and humidity in the eastern U.S. And so as that ridge has built North of us, we've been in that strong easterly flow. Across uh, both New Mexico and southern Arizona, we've had these just persistent, strong easterly winds over the last week where we had overnight winds of like 20 to 30 miles an hour out of the east. It's really kind of strange. And it what it did is it helped keep overnight temperatures up. So you'd wake up in the morning. You know, us weather geeks who look at the, the soundings couldn't tell a morning sounding from an afternoon sounding because they looked the same. You weren't getting that overnight radiative cooling and the temperature inversion that you'd normally see see in a, a sounding. So this very persistent easterly flow has helped usher in some deep moisture from the east. And we've also had a seep of moisture up the Gulf of California. So, you know, kind of out of the the east, the southeast, the south, and then even out of the southwest, the moisture has been seeping into the southwest. Dew points have crept up over the last week. And as I said earlier, the three-day dew point definition, I think, will be met today, which will roll it back to um, July 8th would be the official start date in Tucson. That's somewhat late, actually. It's four days late or three days late. I mean, that's pretty good. I'll give it to you. I mean, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be so, <laughs> man, oh man. so 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 precise. <laughs> you, the, you didn't say it was seventy two hours I, late. Know, I was actually thinking just how remarkably consistent it is. Within two or three days, it's remarkable that the monsoon is always sorts. I know. Why don't we have a comes? clock, like or like a ball that drops in uh, New Year's? We could have like a, a giant hygrometer that we all rally around. Let's go back to that. The, the building of the high-pressure ridge, because I think the California heat wave that happened over the weekend was, it's not something you see very often at this time of, time of year, but yet you see the, the building of the high-pressure ridge, and you sort of talked about it as the ridge sort of doing what it usually does, but yet what went on in California was somewhat unusual. It's not unusual seasonally. I mean, the records were there, clearly. Mm-hmm. It broke records, right? But it, it's, it doesn't stand out. It's not like this kind of event occurred out of season. So it was just shockingly. This is exactly the time of year you'd expect to see that kind of event. The magnitude of the event is clearly exceeding past events mm-hmm. uh, because of long-term trends in temperature and the climate change aspect. Was well. that ridge shifted slightly to the west? Because my understanding is, is when, 
what was causing a lot of the the record heat is that you got offshore flow. Yeah. And so you didn't get the sea breezes coming in and moderating uh-huh. the temperature. You got you sort of were under that easterly flow. And then obviously the the the, the, the high pressure ridge was causing that descending air and Absolutely. descending air is uh, um, yeah. creates atmospheric warming and, right. and and that was part of it. Yeah, the ridge has been wobbling around. Yeah. And as you'd expect it to see, it's not a monolithic thing that just sets up and stays in the same spot. And so, yeah, and that, that little bit of wobbling and that kind of offshore uh, easterly flow is going to warm up Southern California at any time of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, in uh, the fall and into the winter, that easterly flow would cause Santa Ana winds, right. the offshore flow, right? So we had actually downsloping winds here in Southern Arizona, which kept temperature that actually helped push temperatures up to help dry out the lower atmosphere helped kept overnight temperatures up so it's it was unusually strong and persistent for a couple days so that i think sort of stands out but as far as the event itself it you could look at that weather map and pick it up and not look at it and go huh that's super strange you know it's somewhat seasonal all right so what so what's stuck out to you then mike of you know the last three days of of the monsoon uh, well, I think that besides that, it's here finally. Yeah, I think you know as I was sort of uh, finally. You, you, I, finally, I, I threw that yeah, in. You're, you're, th- you're three days late. Been waiting around for hours for this monsoon to show up. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Um, the the thing that has been cool to see is the ridge setting up broadly, the moisture just following in, and then what we've benefited from was a little inverted trough or kind of a weak cyclonic flow on the southern side of this broad ridge that, again, it's moving from east to west across the southwest right now. So it drifted in from New Mexico and has been moving through Arizona the last couple of days, which has just holy wall-to-wall um, good storm activity. You get these inverted troughs moving east to west only when you have the ridge slightly to our north. Yeah, so it's the kind of weather you'd see on the southern side of the broader subtropical ridge. So you're basically in the easterlies, right? You're you're now a subtropical climate. So anybody who's on that south side of that ridge is going to be in the subtropical climate with these easterly waves. And these easterly waves are important because they create local dynamics, right? A li- yeah, a little bit. They can they're usually very weak, so they're not like low pressure systems in the middle of winter that are driven by sharp temperature gradients. They're usually upper level. They're usually very subtle in changing wind directions. They can produce changes in shear, which can help with storm organization. They sometimes can have a little bit of lift with them. Um, Sometimes they can cause divergence or changes in upper level winds that will cause that lift. Uh, And sometimes often they'll have slightly cooler upper level temperatures. So a lot of those factors coming together with a lot of surface moisture will lead to environments that are conducive for organized storms. The way I simplistically think about it is you, you you need if you have high levels of moisture near the surface, mm-hmm. enough for there to be actual rain if you can lift it. You need the lift. You need to lift that air. And and these upper level lows can actually create a temperature gradient in the atmosphere that is cooler more it's a steeper gradient. Yeah. yeah. So it can actually help drive that sort of c- convection, but it, it also as the Divergence at, at the at the top. It also creates convergence at the bottom, which can uh, help lift the air as well. Yeah, I think. Yep. The nor- So, and this is why the monsoon is so complicated because it's driven by such subtle features, and it's interacting with topography, and it's interacting with these really steep 
uh, moisture gradients, is that a lot of sun and a moist environment on the ground are often enough to drive convection and often enough to drive a thunderstorm. But that by itself can produce thunderstorms in some spots. The mountains very easily can mm -hmm. convect in those situations. Uh, but if there isn't a little bit of shear in the atmosphere or some winds to organize the storms, they won't move off of mountains, they won't move into valley locations, you won't have any sort of organization of the storms. So these subtle features like an inverted trough, they can help create more widespread conditions for storms to actually organize over larger areas instead of having the sort of popcorn type thunderstorms that would form over a mountain and then we'd see them kind of fall apart as they moved into town. Now what about a couple days ago, it was basically a nighttime event. Not a nighttime, it was a late afternoon, late afternoon event, past like solar convective heating. Yeah, I think that, that at that point, sometimes it takes the very end of the day for you to reach the convective temperature or to start to have the storms push out outflows enough that will cause lift in the valley locations to then push past some of the um, limitations of the convection in the valleys. So sometimes mm. it's sometimes you can have these things called caps where there's slightly warmer air left over up in the atmosphere a couple thousand feet, which would limit the ability for to allow convection to happen freely. And so these outflows of cold air can be the little bit of a push to push up in the atmosphere and break those caps and then cause the convection, which is why and it's those can be really good because you can have the convection occurring on the thunderstorms over the day, and then the outflows will finally progress in, into the valley locations when they've been maximally heated. So they're they're just like ready to go, and this outflow kicks it. Just and then a little, just a, a little bit yeah. of a, a nudge. Yeah. that's kind of what you need at right. times. And and sometimes if it's too wet here, what we can have and there's no cap is that you can get convection. Like you get a bunch of clouds that form by noon, and it just sort of shades everything out, and then it just kills everything. I guess we should then tally. Yeah. And so we're over two inches, as you said, across uh, parts of the metro area. Over some some places have been over three inches in, in the valleys. Not on obviously as you go up higher at tops of uh, of the Catalinas at Kip Peak, it's going to be a lot higher than that. But yeah, um, particularly out in, in the western part of the valley, um, there are some stations two, two plus inches. Well, that's that's the thing. Not is, some stations, some observers like the, thinking yeah, about like rain our, log. Yeah, a couple of our rain log observers in the northwest part of Tucson, and this is actually in between the flood control gauges have reported two and a half to three and a half to almost four inches of precip in the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. And the top of Mount Lemmon, north of north of Tucson here, has um, only had about a, th a third of that, you know, just a little over an inch. Really? So, yeah. So it's, it's you know, it's this strong uh, easterly flow has not allowed the storms to park over the mountains. They've moved out quickly and into the valley locations. And we saw that huge uh, two days of severe weather outbreaks uh, across the Phoenix area, including that big event yesterday. Well, that, yesterday was a... Yeah, see the pictures of the haboobs? Yeah. Were, they were a spectacular uh, organized line of thunderstorms that came out of the um, uh, the mountain ranges east of Phoenix and moved quickly west and just raked across the city. A lot That's of wind a, with that that particular event. I think there were gusts up to 80, 90 miles an mm -hmm. hour. Um, Closed down some, uh, the airport for a little while, canceled some flights. They had a lot of power outages and um, more severe weather in Tahan Autumn to the west of here. So it has been really interesting. The last two days, most of the activity has been kind of from the 
west side of Tucson out across the you know rest of the west part of the state. So that's been another. Uh, you mentioned the easterly winds. I mean, that's been a persistent uh, character so far in this in the season. And I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure that this happens quite frequently um, during monsoon seasons. You can actually get winds from all directions. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you typically have a sort of that weak easterly flow, though, and it can enhance and uh, weaken, but it generally is out of the east. But the, we can have these situations in southeast Arizona, though, where you do have strong easterly flow with easterly surface winds that will be downsloping and actually can dry out the atmosphere. And that has subsided in the last couple of days and so has put us back into a much more favorable environment. Okay. Uh, anything else about the onset of the monsoon? I mean, we're three days into it more or less. It's solid right now. I mean, it looks great. And it's interesting if you look at the, you know, the forecast over the next week, if you look at the the Climate Prediction Center and the 6 to 10 today, the 8 to 14, the 3 to 4 week, the 1 month, and the 3 month all have above average precip for Arizona uh, for all of those those time periods. It kind of cuts New Mexico in half. So it seems to suggest that Arizona is going to be in this more sort of favorable monsoon regime somewhat persistently. That, of course, is going to mean it's going to be up and down every day. Some places are going to win. This looks real promising. Yeah, let's hope it has some staying power. Staying power, filling in, you know, starting to beat back the drought conditions across the state and starting to make some progress. On so that I front. wanted to get into the drought about some other impacts. How do you uh, have to ruin such a good <laughs> podcast? We'll talk about that. But before, um, I wanted to ask about precipital water in the atmosphere being sort of um, a key metric that's needed to really have convection or widespread precipitation. What so precipitable water in that that number is going to vary by elevation too. So um, if you get to a lower elevation, you need more precipitable water because you have more atmosphere. So to get the same amount of instability. And if you go up in elevation, you actually have lower precipitable water um, because it's a higher elevation. So they don't, it's actually not a magic threshold. It would actually depend on the elevation and how that would translate into the thermodynamic instability in the column. But I think, you know, what you're, what you're alluding to is, is that Higher precipitable waters lead to more um, uh, potential for moist instability in the environment. So, as you, you know, you get up to, we've had precipitable water, you know, you get to August and later in August and into September, we will have days where it's two inches. Those would be record days. But those are days where you just need a slightest little nudge and the atmosphere can just go off. You know, very soupy, soupy tropical, very, very unstable, just kind of automatically. All right. Well, kind of made all that up. Too, so, <laughs> well, we've had uh, you know precipitable water above an inch for uh, a number of days so far. And yeah, it's felt like it. It feels like early July. This is super promising. It's not one of those kind of you know like you know twiddling our thumbs waiting for. But if we learn if we learn anything from last year, it's that this can end abruptly. Abruptly. Yeah. 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 You were worried about it being you know sixty five hours late. <laughs> and now you're going to jinx it, and it's just going to disappear for the rest yeah, well, of the season. So, thanks. Uh, Appreciate that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here for you, Mike. <laughs> the onset of the, the monsoon season usually coincides with the the improving of fire risk. <laughs> the annual improving of the of the drought. <laughs> uh, and, and drought, right? Because um, so the, the fire season, for the most part, is on its – should be on its heels for sure. Yeah, yeah should I, be think, on its heels. I think it's. I think we're in. We should be in rapid retreat as long as we can keep up the moisture. We should start to see the the forest closures 
uh, rescind back to back to camping and all that kind of stuff. This year, Arizona has burned less than New Mexico, about eighty-five thousand acres. I can't remember what it was a month ago, but it was below average then too, as it is now. New Mexico, on the other hand, ha- has been about uh, 350,000 acres. So it's been um, a more active fire season. Had some big fires uh, in New Mexico. Yeah. It, that was basically the opposite of last year. Um, Arizona had close to 400,000 acres burned, and New Mexico slightly over 100,000. In Arizona, about 20% of, of, of the total acres burned all year happened after July 1st. Mm, yeah, really? Fire started after July 1st. No kidding. So, while peak fire season, as you say, is on the he- its heels, it's not to say that there's there there won't be fires, yeah, and that right. there isn't, isn't fire risk. That's a good call, particularly in those places that you mentioned before that haven't yet received uh, a good dousing from the monsoon. And 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 who knows this this could end. I mean, the the, the short term for- forecasts look good, but. You know, you get a, a a long, you know, two week dry dry period, and we can be right back in that elevated yeah. risk. You know, we're talking about epic eight month drought conditions, almost complete lack of of uh, winter moisture in some locations. So, a couple of days of monsoon rain may not do it. May not be enough. Certainly requires some vigilance at the beginning of the season. The background humidity, though, is going to radically help. If anything, you know, I don't think you're going to get real problems with control. There may even be some use for uh, wildland fire use mm-hmm. as the conditions have sort of shifted in the season here. And the wind. And the wind and dies the wind. down. The wind, absolutely. So you're going to have erratic uh, outflow winds with and near storms, but you won't have the broader howling kind of winds that we'd get in the April season out of the southwest. Okay, so drought. Last month, June 5th, there was about close to 74% of Arizona was extreme drought. Or worse, extreme or exceptional drought. So 73% in extreme or exceptional drought. Fast forward a month and picture has not changed. Mm-mm. Despite the fact that we had a pretty widespread, you know, mid-June event that happened in somewhat un- unusually within a within a dry month. Right. Is this unchanging drought picture a reflection of just how how severe the drought was coming into June, or is it just too early to to adjust the the, the drought picture based on a one event? Yeah, I, I, there's been a lot of lot of discussion about that. That event kind of came in, and there was discussion about trying to start a nibble around the edges of the drought depiction in Arizona. I was involved in some of those discussions, and I think that there was just a sort of a consensus of that's a step in the right direction, but not quite enough consistency of precipitation to, to make some big changes. And so I think we just kind of held held steady. There was a concern too, and I had talked to several, I talked to ranchers and some land managers and some you know different um, ecosystem uh, scientists, ecologists, that there was concern about having that widespread rain in the early part of, or mid part of June, causing some phenological changes, you know, stuff to start growing like a false start? Um, kind of like a false start. Like, and so, oh, the monsoon's here. Yeah, so, you know, stuff germinating, stuff starting to grow, some change in, you know, rangeland productivity. And, you know, it's quite warm at that point. And it took four weeks to have subsequent follow-up in soil moisture. Stuff could have tanked uh, in that situation. So I, I don't think we really had that issue. So the precip coming into the state, I do think we're going to be able to start to 
I, you know, it's one of these things. It's going to take. I would. I would wait to the end of July to see how July. What if July's average? Uh, if July's average, I think we would make some very small incremental changes, uh, and it's a reduction in the severity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even you if know, you did that, the whole state would be under yeah, you, some I, moderate or, or, right. or extreme. I think you'd look at the pattern of precip across the state, and I think you'd start to try to move some of those boundaries, you know, slowly degrade them back or uh, improve them, uh, a category over time. Drought monitoring and drought depiction is a very tricky business because the summer rainfall is important to some things, right. and the winter rainfall is important to other things. Some are important to both. And yeah, it's like multidimensional. It's very multidimensional and it's very contextual. So if we start to erase drought conditions that formed over the winter with summer rainfall, that's quite meteorological to think that way. But it may not necessarily reflect that you've had large changes and impacts that have yeah, occurred. You kind of need a map for each particular you kind of do impact that you're absolutely. You know, if it's fire, if it's water, if it's rangeland, I agree. If it's yes. mood. Psychology. Yeah, totally. The mood. (laughs) Well, we've talked about this. If it doesn't rain every day in Phoenix and Tucson for the rest of the monsoon. The anger index. The anger index. (laughs) Our our dismay or monsoon disapproval index. Yeah. Um, So what would it take um, to make some widespread changes? Like, are we talking like a couple inches over like 150% of average, 125% of average? It's going to be hard to ignore it if we have the whole state at average to above average or not the whole state, but there are going to be regions that are going to be average to above average. Those above average by the end of the July, I would expect that we would start to nibble at those. But again, as I said, you know, we will improve those from a climatological, meteorological standpoint, but it doesn't mean that the impacts that have accumulated right. or were caused by the winter have necessarily been ameliorated. Right. And just for comparison here and comprehensiveness, New Mexico's drought picture has also re- remained largely unchanged yeah. From, yeah. from a month ago, and it's about 58% in extreme drought or, yeah. or worse. See, it's asynchronous, too. I think the kind of the way we think about this in the depiction of drought. If we were drought free in June and we went into July and the monsoon was a late, three weeks late, and we had deficits that were like half of 50% in July. Would that be 25%? Half of 50%? <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> I know what you meant. The higher math. Thanks. thanks. Yes. Half of 50 is 25. <laughs> I think I meant to say 50 or 25. I know. The, um, thanks for the, the correction there. Um, I, you know, that that could be a situation where since the seasonal timing of precip is pretty dialed in, right? We've been talking about that, that we didn't have it and it's running that late. I would be in favor of moving drought in fairly quickly. But on the improvement side, I'm always – I'd like to go slow, right? So you can – I think can have rapid onset yeah, so of this out because, depending on the season. Like I think it's harder to say that you have that happen in the winter here. But in summer, since seasonality is so st- – dark and especially in some places and some systems really rely on that that i think you could move drought conditions and show a different type of impact than you would say in a slow onset kind of winter drought or over a period of years i mean the people that think about this and try to create these pictures from a very nuanced perspective is like i just have a lot of respect for it it's very hard hard. yeah Yeah, it's a very tricky tricky business to do 
I'm, just to keep on it. And too. you can't really do it by looking at one metric or even trying to do it objectively because all of those, let's say, just you know, a precipitation or a temperature like that, that doesn't capture it in it enough detail. And no, and there's some there's monitoring around. gaps, yep. and you know, you you really have to kind of have your boots on the ground to really understand. And plus, it, it comes at it from different perspectives, like a ranching or a fire or, wa- or water managing Absolutely. or or uh, you know whatever. Yep, totally agree. Okay, Mike. Well, you know, I'm glad that we've got you behind the the helm, or maybe I'm not. I'm know. not sure you should be all that thrilled with that. Yeah, that's. Uh, you right, well, re- if anybody has any complaints that. on Mike Crimmins, <laughs> you can don't. find them. I get plenty. <laughs> all right. So wrapping up here, let's just think. You you sort of already alluded to this, Mike, with the the, the forecasts, uh, but there are sort of rosy pictures looking forward, at least through the end of the monsoon season, and then even further out in terms of rosy, in terms of yeah. uh, elevated chances for rainfall. Now, we should caveat this. Yeah. Are, go, you do it. Well, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm sort of, when I see those seasonal forecasts in the monsoon painted in increased chances for above, like I'm always like, well, what? What is behind that? Uh-huh. You know, and I know I looked at the models and all of the models, except for one of the Canadian models, part of the North American multi-model ensemble like has this this wet signal and i don't know i just I, I like what i don't know what's in like, the, those models are like black boxes a, to me so i don't in the sauce <laughs> yeah like what's what's the mechanics behind that i don't know i think we had read coming into this later part of the spring that there is an east pacific tropical connection and if you look at the models there is a plume of moisture that extends from mm-hmm the East Pacific up into the Southwest. So there's, it's, it's not teleconnected. It's literally connected. So I, I guess that's what the models are picking up on. It's like you look at all of them again, except for one of the Canadian models and they're all picking up on, on, on a kind of a robust, uh, wet signal. So yeah, later on in the season, we're getting into maybe picking up on some of the impacts of a, of a developing uh, El Nino event, which, yeah. which is increasingly looking more likely, looking at the latest forecasts from the Climate Prediction Center and the, and the IRI. Most of the statistical and dynamic models are all pointing toward uh, it's like a, solid moderate, a weak right? to a moderate El Nino yeah. event. There's a warm pool of water beneath the surface, gives people confidence that the mechanisms there are in place. And, you know, through the winter, you know, chances... You know, the IRI and the CPC have it at, at close to 70% for, for an El Nino event. So I, I don't know. It seems like we've been every other year now in an El Nino event. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, Who cares? I, I, oh. Whatever happened to this, like, three to seven year? Of neutral? I, yeah, I don't know. It seems like we're on track. You know, we're wandering back and forth between weak, neutral, weak, neutral, Godzilla, oh. weak, neutral, La Nina. <laughs> So um, all, all checks out. <laughs> okay. It, 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 it's, it's all how as we would expect. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, yeah. That warm pool of water is there. It certainly looks like it's on its way and emerging in the, the East Pacific. I think that the, the, the real the interesting thing is going to be, and I think what we've learned all too well over the last couple of El Nino events is where the warm pool is matters. And so maybe that will help us, you know, treat this one a little bit more. With some nuance. Okay, so what's your what's your thought going forward? Climatology. So boring. I know. I like I predictability. 
I go for Central Tennessee. So if you went to Vegas, what would you bet? There's no climatology. You can't like, what, what would you bet on I'd Vegas? probably just, you know, split half on one and half on the other, right? Then you're guaranteed to lose. I'm guaranteed to lose. <laughs> of course I am. But that, you know, at least I know the Because the house, you forget about the house. I guess true. in climatology, the there's house. no house, huh? No. Again, going back to our sort of monsoon wager, it's certainly looking good for you yeah, thus it's looking far. good for me. All that green on those maps. Any wager? Uh, okay, so the so the wager is how many days in June, and total amount in June. Wait, in June or July? Sorry, July. I'm going to say June. ten days in July, with measurable precept. And then the total amount. Three point five. Three point five. Wow. Okay, so what did you say was the total number of? Uh, is it ten days? No, not not you. Oh, but the total monsoons. The total monsoons in about twenty five days with measurable precept in. Right, so Tucson. it's about a, it's about every fourth day on average because there's it's think, 108 days. Yeah, so it's close. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So you're going a little bit higher. Um, yeah, on, we're on a roll here. It's persistence. A little better than climatology. I'm gonna go 12. I'm going big. Okay. And man, do you know what it was last year? Sure. Yeah, 6.8. I have. Wow, that is incredible. It is incredible. Well, I, I'm going four. All right. Four inches, 12 days. You just you just edge me out on the high side. Fine. We'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> Game on. Game on. All right. Thanks, everybody, again uh, for tuning in to the Monsoon Edition. Monsoon Edition. 2018. All day, all the time. Giddy up. That's right. All right. Have a good, have a good July and June. The Southwest Climate Podcast is a production of CLEMIS, which is part of NOAA's Regional Integrated Science and Assessment Program and is housed at the University of Arizona Institute of the Environment. Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with CLEMIS, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA Program Manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research outreach and assessment specialist with Clemus. The monsoon. Let's let's take this again. <laughs> We're gonna need to. Uh, it didn't quite go over that. It went somewhere right. straight down, just like drought. Take two. Never goes up.